Welcome to Politically Best, the podcast that wants to inform you that scientists have created a perfect blowjob robot, putting it into all healthy relationships and mine with my girl Colfax. Saeed Charbini, and I'm here with Katya and Eris. Go ahead and say hi. This is Katya. Yo, what up, y'all? All right, Eris. I know that was really black, wasn't it? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off this week. I want to talk about John Elway, a favorite here around Colorado. You know, he's he's given $62,250 to Republicans. In particular, a person who received a lot of that money is Walker Stapleton. I know we've spoken a little bit last time about Walker Stapleton and his past and stuff like that. And Does anybody have anything they want to say about Elway giving all this money to Republicans and what he's saying with it? And No, he looks like a horse. Okay, that's a astute observation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, it's it's worth noting, right? He is part of the NFL. He's a VP for the Broncos, an institution that right now everybody has issues with when you have people kneeling down because that's a political statement and it's disrespectful on some level to a certain section of the people where the flag code says you shouldn't be draping that flag the way that the NFL does anyway. So that's disrespectful. And all you white people wearing the freaking flag on every single other thing that's disrespectful he's part of an institution where black players have been speaking out and it's been considered disrespectful do we know how he's been reacting to that no i mean he didn't come out super positive about it you but know. was he outspoken against it too or no he wasn't super outspoken either no, okay. but he had he did not condone it um he publicly did not condone it uh-huh. i always am reminded that locker rooms in especially football where you have so many people are really still segregated right quarterbacks rooms are generally white Generally conservative. Look well, at, you know, a large number of uh, African American or black um, players that have joined the NFL and are quarterbacks. I mean, there's Cam, News- Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Sean uh, Watson. I mean, it's, yes, but look at the majority of quarterback big, rooms. You're going to see the Peter Man, right? Yeah. You're going to see Pat Mahomes, who had his issues. Um, and you say Mahomes, but I mean, I mean, well, not Mahomes. What's his name? I have no idea. I. Well, <laughs> Josh Allen. Sure. <laughs> Buffalo. This is, nobody cares about Buffalo. This is why... Nobody cares about Buffalo. But no, you look at a lot of the quarterback rooms and you 
can look around depending on what the quarterback who is the primary person is mm-hmm. you will see a black quarterback room or a white quarterback room but when it is a predominantly white quarterback room that is segregated from the rest of the team you're not interacting with all of the other black players mm-hmm. you know you can see kind of a difference right you see do you, I mean how does that go back to Elway though I guess well and so going with Elway you look at a guy who came up through the sport, going to Stanford. He was blocked off like that. Maybe he yeah. had sort of a mindset, like he didn't get to interact with other players that maybe didn't come from such affluent exactly. communities and stuff like that. Because, you know, quarterbacks talk to their linemen. Linemen are predominantly white. Um, mm-hmm. I would be really interested to see how Shannon Sharp, mm-hmm. Rod Smith, those guys that he played with felt about it. Yeah. And I would be really interested to know how players who he currently manages in a sport that we generally compare to plantations. <laughs> Well, especially the and how, NCAA and stuff yeah. like that. But, I mean, it sort of trails over a little bit. And, and, well, I mean, you even have the whole thing where the combine is basically measuring them like they Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. It's not wrong. Get down to your skibbies and uh, uh, stretch. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, his, his open endorsement of Republicans and just the way that they've been acting and doing things seems to be something that maybe his players might be thinking about as well as they talk to him or see him and be like, I know who you really are. Yeah. And, I mean, he's still using the platform that he doesn't like players using in order to give voice and endorse people that don't actually represent what's really good for some of his players. Okay. Well, let's move on from this. Uh, we're going to talk some more about probably Stapleton, I think, a little bit, because we're going to talk about uh, some polls here. I want to start off with, uh, I saw polls on thejournal.com. There was a Colorado political climate survey. I believe it was conducted by CU Boulder, political science department at CU Boulder. Uh, they said that Polis is up 12 percentage points over uh, Walker Stapleton, looking like he's got a clear lead way out of the margin of error. Probably just going to lock this thing down and walk to it. I, I think this poll is indicative of kind of the attitude that Polis has had as well, where, I mean, he focuses on his campaign for sure, but there's been a lot of noticing of he focuses on helping out lower campaigns going all the way down the ballot. I feel like that's a good representation of him and how he's a team player and stuff like that. Stapleton, I mean, it looks like he's walking into a pretty tough loss. And polls are polls, though. Do we believe him? What do we think? Like, I just have to say that Said has a little bit of a man crush on Jared Polis. Like, you, you do, buddy. What? I, I like the guy. I like his policies. I like the way he carries himself. I have a, I have a little bit of a resentment from Adams County. Well, I, I admit it to that. But, like... And I would never vote for Walker State. Where are you coming from with all no, this? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you're just out of left field tonight. I am not out of left field. You're out of field. All right, are you? I'm going to need you to stay on topic. No. Just stay on topic. Okay. You're, you know what? You're right. It, it's, it's 70-30. It's a staple. Uh, follow the rabbit through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> she took the red pill. Oh. <laughs> but let's, let's be honest. You have a bit of a man crush on the polls. No. It's not necessarily a man crush. I like his campaign. I like the way he's running his stuff. I think it's a good example. Like, what's wrong with that? Uh, and your cars decorated out with all the Polis stuff. I have one sticker because I walked for it one time. And your Facebook posts. Facebook posts. Oh, that one's because I got invited to a young professional. So oh, oh, okay. I'm, I, I just say I don't understand where. I don't understand where we're. Yeah, like, <laughs> can we I, stop, I, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Katya. I don't know anything about Ola. That's the thing. Like, what are you talking about? Okay, you said I was quiet. About... I was quiet about Ola. I don't know anything about Ola. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to Polis here. I did think he had a little bit of man crush, but. <laughs> <laughs> talking about polls. Let's get back to this. Um, we talked about polls. We're going to skip that one. I want to go to one that's far more important. Uh, Amendment 74 was in this poll. Amendment 74 is the takings amendment where if zoning regulations or anything by your local city or government uh, makes it so that you can't develop what you wanted to on your property, you can sue for the potential loss of income from that project. It is currently polling at 63% for it and 37% against. This is a very scary thing to think about because it potentially opens a floodgate of lawsuits against cities and everything like that for projects that developers or, you know, wealthier people will say, I was going to do this, but because you didn't regulate it right, I can't. Now I see you. How do you guys feel about that? I agree 100% with Saeed. Is How this... did you vote on it? I mean, we didn't talk How about did it. did I vote on it? Yeah. I voted no. You voted no? See, and that seems to be the better option. And... It's a little scary because I think, well, we're already a Tabor um, squeezed state, and I, we're going to pick up the bell for this if this passes. Absolutely. Like, it's going to be super expensive and we don't have the money. Well, and it's really weird, right? We're a state that used to be a fairly red state. Now we're a purple state. And I don't understand why we've moved to this point where we're going, hey, let's give bailouts to, you know, um, property developers when they choose places that aren't zoned the way they want them to and say that that is causing them to lose income because it doesn't help um, the average voter, but it will help those people who are going to develop property in the cities. And so- yeah. Well, I, I explained it earlier, I think, too, um, takings as far as eminent domain and takings as far as damage to property, those are already set in stone law. You can sue your government if they do either of those two, or they have to pay you fair market value for whatever is done. This is using those in a reiteration and adding this third sort of parameter of, well, I could have made this money off of this project, but because you didn't zone it right, or because you zoned it so I couldn't, I now get to sue you for that loss. Yeah. And it's going to be a loss that's calculated off of some economic model that is going to give them the maximum value rather than what they actually want. Well, yeah, of course you ask for the maximum value. <laughs> well, like, yeah, give me all the money I could have made. I know, but like, there are people who think that there are people who want to use this fairly and correctly, and it's like, no, they're going to look for maximum value, yeah. and ultimately it gets shipped well, to taxpayers. And like you were saying earlier, it's developers and stuff, people have the money to throw at lawyers that can throw every single argument at it and rack up that bill real quick. And then uh, another one in this poll was, well, they only talked about, they polled for Amendment Y, which is the redistricting one, which I think is a really big issue because we're yeah. coming up to the census and redistricting. They only pulled for Y, but they assumed Y and Z would be about the same as far as votes. Uh, it was actually polling at 78%. It sounds like people really want it to be a, a nonpartisan issue mm-hmm. for redistricting to where you know we draw the districts evenly and fairly to where they're competitive and voters actually get good choices. It's really encouraging because this feels like a bipartisan issue. It's supposed to be something that we can all get behind. And it's one of the reasons why I'm proud of Colorado voters now. And hopefully, we'll, you know, polls aren't wrong. Because <laughs> that's happening. I feel like this one, it's so it's almost 80%. Yeah. Like, when you get to that level, it's like, even if the margin of error is 10, there's no way this is going to lose. Exactly. And so, proud of you, Colorado. Yeah. Um, well, and you say bipartisan, but this was the one where I saw Hickenlooper sitting next to the governor. They were both here for that. See, there you go. Yeah. Like... <laughs> 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 
Yes. Yes. Right, we were talking about one eleven, and um, you go ahead and put this on. You can clear it if you want. Oh my god. We were talking about one eleven payday loans. And uh, did not work out well. Did not work that well. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. coughs> um, 111, the payday lender loans, the capping the interest at 36%. That poll result showed 84% are in favor of capping payday loans at 36%. Scott, do that makes you pretty happy? It does because I often need them. Well, we're talking about loan charts and stuff. Some are in the Democratic Party. Some are- oh, yeah. I've read a lot of emails that some Democrats are. In favor of not capping this. I'm glad to see this is a positive poll. It is positive. One, one thing I would say, it's a CU poll. Eric's pointed out. Yeah, it's a CU how, poll. How stoned were the pollsters, but <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> There's a reason why they come from out of state. There is. <laughs> Jesus, Eris. <laughs> okay, we talked about polls being the lead. We talked about 74, Y, and Z. I to talk about the most expensive house race in the country. Our very own CD6 being the most expensive house race in the country. $17 million spent on this campaign between the two parties. That's a lot of money. I may be mistaken, but it it, it usually is one of the most... Uh, when Romanoff was running and when Carol was running, it was amongst the... Well, it was definitely one of the more interesting ones because people thought it was flippable because the, yes. district, is the district is a third Democrat, a third Republican, Romanoff. and a third independent. Yeah. It, it's always among the most expensive. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It reminds me of the Richard Pryor bit, you know, where he would go um, in Buckster's Millions where he's saying they're going, <laughs> oh, yeah, this dude's spending $5 million for a job that pays 16000 six, uh, $6, You're like, yeah. you should be really worried about that. And mm-hmm. when you see the expenditures being that high, like, it's mid- pretty insane. There's a lot of outside forces playing in this race. In both parties. Both parties, for sure. Republicans have their spending. Although, I will say, yeah, uh, there has true. been word of Republican spending dropping out from Kaufman. Yeah, uh, some of the polls recently have astounding. shown that um, Crow is gaining ground, if not it's, winning. Astounding. Even, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be a close one and an interesting one to watch. But Republicans are starting to feel like maybe it's time to abandon Kaufman. It's, again, astounding. <laughs> <laughs> they've always been behind their boy. Yeah. Well, it just, shows to go, it just goes to show you that if you crack the whip, it still doesn't always work out for you. I mean, <laughs> man, really taking it and no gratification at the end. Right. Well, I want to talk about a little bit about their differences too, um, starting with Obamacare. Where, why all of a sudden do Republicans feel like they can champion the idea of protecting pre-existing conditions as they continue to vote against them? Well, you saw all the ads, right? They're popping out and they're going, hey, I have a kid with a pre-existing condition and I just I just really know that I would want these people. And then you go, yeah, but, so you're talking about, oh, you're okay with it, the pre-existing conditions happen to other rich Republicans that look like you. Cool. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it's, I mean, when it's your child or your person. It honestly makes me pissed. I'm politically pissed about that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Because Way to throw it in there. it's personal almost to everybody if you, when you play with somebody's health care because I mean, most I, people I, have pre-existing exactly. conditions. Exactly. Like, it's, it's silly to, to really talk about this. It's like, 
like she talking about just because you know somebody has some sort of condition or something, you have to charge them more? I mean, no, they're going with, hey, you were born, therefore you're a pre-existing condition, and we just really don't understand what you did to your poor mother. <laughs> like, it's Why so were you born? freaking crazy. <laughs> it, it is kind of crazy. Um, it's saying that if you can't afford a certain level of health insurance, then maybe you shouldn't be around. And, yeah, and it, do we think Kaufman's going to be a person that's actually going to stand up for that principle? Or? Kaufman's the choose your own adventure guy. Okay, you have to say uh, yeah. Please <laughs> well, you know, he's like, "What do you want me to be?" Okay. Okay. Uh, turn to this page. Yeah. Read there. Yeah. Well, what do you want me to do? Turn to this page. Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, as long as that page is um, in the red, yeah, I could see that. I mean, well, that's going to be his actions in the end. I, I think what she's saying is she'll tell whoever, whatever, just to get them to yeah. get with him, and then in the end, he'll do what he wants. Yeah. I, I think Crow's a, a decent father and husband, and he might be a decent lawyer, but honestly, I don't think he's going to be a standout congressman. But who is a standout congressman? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good like, question. We're, we're, the last one we had that was a standout congressman couldn't even handle being vice president. Man. <laughs> well, all right, let's move on past that and talk about a little more about like Obamacare-style stuff in the sense of Crow said he does not want single-payer but supports a public option that could possibly lower the price or spur reduction in price and competition. <sighs> Don't we already have something that's supposed to spur a reduction in cost by the competition and it's not working? Well, the idea with the mandate, the individual mandate, was that everybody has to purchase insurance so that it causes the cost to come down, but it really hasn't done that. No. Uh, insurance companies are just profiting more. They think because you have a public option, you can do that instead of going full out for the just single payer. I think that's just poor policy. I mean, as far as a Democrat goes, I would say, yeah, but when you talk about C6... I think as a congressman, it's poor policy. Yeah. This country is breaking over health care. I mean, people are going broke and on the street from it. Yeah. Yes. Every every three weeks I take, I mean, Globulin, for, that keeps me alive. It's $20,000. And I'm not alone out there, but everybody at this table is a pre-existing condition. I don't feel at the liberty to share you guys' experiences, but you both have been in, at these parts of your life, and I think it's poor policy, and I think he should... I, th- I think Crow needs to man up a bit. I mean, there's a lot of people who need to man up a little bit. Yeah, but we're, um, we're, we're talking about Crow and Crow as a congressman and I think he needs to man up a bit and help out regular people who are fighting these battles. But at the same time, I mean, he's, he's allowed to make his own statements and, and that's his supporters are supposed to be the ones to decide if that's what they believe, you know? I'm a supporter of him and I that's my I mean, politically pissed opinion. district, so... Oh, I do now. Wait, you do? Yes. You moved? No, you moved. Yes, I did. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, one pissed off voter. <laughs> Is talking to you. I am. Your girl's talking to you, Crow. No, I, I will say that the fact that we were talking about this goes back to you have somebody who's spending an exorbitant amount of money, actually two somebody's right, on both sides, so there's money, to win a house race, and yet these are people who don't support, you know, um, American taxpayers, and really, like, we've let our insurance industry, we've let so many industries run amok, and not be willing to fully commit to something that is supposed to help um, the majority, of, well, actually all Americans because at some point um, everybody benefits from having adequate health care to just kind of political punditry between two people in, who have votes and can actually make a difference and decide not to. Yeah. Okay. Enough about healthcare. Another thing that Jason Crow said that I think you might find interesting, Katya, is that he would not be in favor of going after Kavanaugh for impeachment. 
why would I find that interesting? Well, I feel like you know, <laughs> give it, yeah, give it this week. I am actually going to support Crow on that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think we should take out trying to do a piece? No, I think you know what's done is done, and um, I Even think he lied on the stand because did he lie on the stand? We all know the Devil's Triangle is not a drinking game. <laughs> Everybody's seeing my face right now. <laughs> um, but that, that's a little one. But I, you know, I I don't really know the facts on Kavanaugh. So <laughs> if this was Baumgartner, I would be in favor of impeaching him. But I don't know much about uh, Judge uh, Kavanaugh. I mean, we saw a lot of him on TV. Yeah, I mean, we his did. Alone, I think is... he looked like a possum. <laughs> I saw that meme too. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I say on black Twitter. Um, <laughs> oh, a little fun fact that I found out is uh, Jason Crow actually spoke at the 2012 DNC. He was on stage. Good for him. Oh. Yeah, I had no idea. They mentioned it in the debate on Nine News. I thought it was interesting. A little, a little fun fact. Nice. Okay. Well, I no I caught that one. Couldn't vote back then. <laughs> All right, well, today our guest is going to be Josh Sigelbaum. He's running for Adams County Clerk, and he's here to talk to us a bit today about his election and mostly about these 60,000 ballots that are missing. So go ahead and take it away, Josh. Um, yep, just talk. You're good. You're live. Well, I'm live. <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. All right. Well, uh, good yeah. evening. I'm Josh Sigelbaum, candidate for uh, Adams County Clerk Recorder. Thanks for having me tonight. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you. So, recently in the news, we've heard about Adams County uh, lost, how many was it, 61,000 ballots? Yeah, over 61,000 ballots. Yeah. Um, apparently, they were just sitting on a truck at the post office, and nobody bothered to find them. Is that well, there were, how did that work? Well, there were a couple of stories. Initially, I heard from a source in the... Uh, clerk's office that there was a mismatch in ballots and then that turned out not to be true in the addresses on the ballots okay. between zip codes and street addresses and, and something funny going on there then that was clarified by the, by the clerk who said that um, you know all the ballots had been delivered to the post office uh, and that it was an issue in the post office that was then clarified to say well in fact no only three of the four trucks made it to the post office and this one truck mysteriously went back to a secured facility but no Nobody actually knows what a secured facility means. It could have just been an open parking lot. Without explanation of, of how it got there, why it was returned from the post office, um, why no one at the vendor called the clerk's office and said, hey, we weren't able to make your delivery, or maybe that, that took place and someone at the clerk's office dropped the ball. Um, really, we just don't know. Uh, personally, I'd like answers on it. Well, absolutely. I think everybody wants answers, especially those people that lost a whole week with their ballots. Um, but I had heard on the news that there might have been something wrong with the paperwork or payment or something like that to the post office. Was that part of it? Have you heard anything about that? Or? I've, I've heard that as well, but really it's coming out in bits and pieces. So I, I think really what we need is the full story, mm-hmm. um, not bits and pieces. Have you heard anything about people maybe having issues as far as like they may not be able to vote because of this or have any sort of other boundaries that may stop them? Do you think this may cause some people to not vote? Uh, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime you make it more difficult for people to vote, you're going to lose some of the voters. So is, is that one of the cases here? Is this a voter disenfranchisement thing? I don't believe so, but never know. I have been contacted by a couple of different um, 
uh, residents of, of the county or citizens of the county that still haven't received their ballots yet. And here we are you know, a week before well, the election. Because they say sometimes they can take a week from when they're supposed to start mailing them to when you can get them. And if they started a week behind already, that's another week that it might take to get to them. Right. Right. And then it leaves them maybe one week at most to vote. Yep. And that's no, no near, nowhere near enough time to actually mail your ballot back in then. No, it's not. They uh, they have to be mailed in by the 29th or, or postmarked by the 29th to ensure that they will be there on time. So uh, what I've been doing is directing people to voter servicing centers um, and providing them with uh, a link and the addresses to, to go to the one that's most convenient for Do them. Do you happen to have any off the top of your head that you can give? Or? Um, yeah, well, quite a few of the different county offices will have them. Uh, different libraries will have them. Uh, there's actually there's a link on my website. If you go to uh, www.joshforadams.com, that's F-O-R for the four, uh, and click on voter info, you'll actually find a couple of different links there with all the information that you'll need on where to go. Awesome. Eric, you think you wanted to say something? Yeah, we've heard a lot about how voters have lost trust in public institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that is playing here when you lose 61,000 ballots? Um, you kind of stop trusting the post office and county clerks and all those. Things. So sure. How do you feel about that? How are you going to go about restoring trust if you were elected? It's, it's, I think there's quite a bit of mistrust for the government. And I think that's something that is pretty inherent in us as Americans going back to the revolution. You know, one of the reasons we left is because we didn't trust the government, right? They weren't taking care of us. Taxation, without representation, the whole deal. And I think that there's been a general mistrust of government since then, right now, with what's going on at the, uh, the federal level. Got quite the split. And in general, uh, I think that uh, people just have lost a little bit of faith. It's hard to get it back. You know, just like, uh, you know, if you hear something negative, it takes seven positives for you to, to undo that negative. And I think that's something that will apply here also. We have to continue doing it right the first time, not making time to do it right the second time. Uh, one of the issues in the clerk's office is actual, uh, from the get-go, um, poor management of the money. On uh, the most recent audit, the clerk's office actually needed, uh, there's 13 areas of the financial audit, um, and they got a needs improvement in nine of those 13. Um, coming from a banking and a finance background where I've been through audits, unless you pass, you fail. So even though that's there is one grade lower, uh, which is an actual failure, getting a needs improvement means that you're not handling the money properly. The controls are not in place, leaves it open to the opportunity for, let, for theft, which puts the county in, in an awkward position. From what I've been told, there are some, some Excel spreadsheets that were being used that are unprotected cells where somebody could just go and strike over the cell uh, and enter the, the amount they wanted. You know, so lots of opportunity to, to skim off the top. Again, I doubt that that's happening. I'm not saying that that's happening. I'm definitely not accusing somebody of that, but the opportunity is there, and that's the point in having controls in place, uh, and it's to safeguard citizens' money. Absolutely. We all work hard. We all go to the DMV, and we all you know, pay for our <laughs> tax. And, uh, well, and you can talk about corruption a little bit, and that makes me think of something else. Um, is your race a partisan race? It is partisan. So you are, you are running just as a Democrat? It's like, mm-hmm. no, okay. So my, my question is, so part of that district, a good part of it, is CD6, one of the most right. contested races in the nation? Um, yeah. A small part of it. A, well, it's a decent chunk, honestly, of Adams County. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not the whole one. Yeah. It's just far, but yeah. anyway. So um, since your opponent would be a Republican who's currently in power, mm-hmm. do you think there's any kind of connection or any, any way that this is some sort of to help out Kaufman maybe to prevent people from voting? Yeah. <laughs> 
Do you know where those ballots may have been located where they were supposed to go that might represent that? So those ballots were in five different zip codes, from what I'm told. 80602, 8241, 80603, 80601, and 80011. I'm not going to pretend to know this. So mostly 80011 is North Aurora, which is definitely in 6. Yeah. Um, And the others are in Thornton and Brighton, which I believe both are in 6. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Um, So, I mean, it's just an interesting connection. And those are both. Connection. Heavily, I think, Democratic areas too. Mm-hmm. I want to say so. I mean, that's a something I, I had been thinking about and I hadn't really voiced it too much yet. But yeah. um, I figured since you were here, maybe you might have heard something because you're far more in tune with what's going on up there with this. So I haven't heard anything that's concrete. Okay, just speculation. Um, it's a really weird coincidence that it falls that way. It is a weird right. coincidence. Okay. Yeah, just a really weird coincidence. Um, yeah, <laughs> not a fan of coincidences. No, and mistakes happen. I mean, look, there's there's two things that happen here. It's either gross negligence or there is something going on and the conspiracy is, is not a conspiracy. It's real and someone is trying to commit some voter fraud. Yeah. Those are the two things that happen here. Either way, my opponent's responsible for it. Absolutely. Right? I mean, you can pass the authority for somebody to do something, You can, but you can't repass the responsibility. He hired a vendor. The vendor failed. He's the one that hired him. That's on him. Brought it to the post office. The paperwork was in order. He got rejected. That's the story, at least. Why wasn't the paperwork in order? Shouldn't somebody from the clerk's office had oversight on that? Again, that's on the clerk. We said there was only four trucks that went out, and one of the four got messed up. Right. Four is not that many. Right. And why? What was what was okay about the uh, the, the three you know other trucks? What was okay about their paperwork, and why not this fourth one? What yeah. was different? Well, yeah, exactly. That's kind of the point we're trying to get to, like figuring out what's going on. And, yeah. um, may, I, may I ask a question? Go ahead. Yeah, please. Um, how it's Dan Martin, right? Mm-hmm. How is he responding to this? Um, he's been responding by passing the buck to uh, the post office initially, and then the vendor. Well, and then the post office and throw it back at him, and like, no, it's Joe's fault, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of a he said, she said, finger pointing. Right. But ultimately, the responsibility falls onto the clerk because Absolutely. it's his job per state statute to make sure this happens. Yeah. He violated state law. Now, whether or not the, the attorney general will pursue it or a district attorney will pursue it, that's on them. But I mean, I'm going to just venture here and say they're probably Republicans in that area, right? Um, well, at the, the state level, Kaufman is, of course. Yeah. Uh, but Dave Young in... Uh, more in the county level, yeah. At the county level, Dave Young is a Democrat. So maybe. Um, maybe. Okay, so I mean, maybe there's some hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a little, maybe, yeah. We'll call him a moderate. We'll be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess there's not much of a chance that you think they'll go after him then or anything, try to figure out, delve into a little more. I doubt it. Unless right. there's some sort of, you know, reporter that can break something and force the hand. Yeah, find some sort of yeah. communications or something. Yep. Yeah. Alright. Well, that kind of sucks. I mean, it really sucks that so many people are going to be disenfranchised by this and yeah. might not have a chance to actually vote. I mean, you think of homebound people or anything like that that don't have time to turn ballot around. Well, or just as simple as people who have made commitments around getting their ballot and then were um, dissuaded from voting because they had other commitments right. that they weren't expecting to interfere with their vote. Mm-hmm. You know, people who plan trips. Like, essentially, like, you're just an alienating a group of people who would have been able to. Sure. 
and, and there's a lot of people out there that are not mobile um, yes. or they can't afford stamps or they can't afford stamps and just don't have them at home. You know, okay. Online banking is is, yeah. is taken over. <laughs> no, I agree. Who has stamps okay. these days? So isn't, isn't the myth or not even a myth now, I think the post office might have even said it, is they're supposed to return the ballot regardless of the postage. They are. And it doesn't matter if you have the proper postage or anything like that. They return it and they charge it to the Secretary of State or the state or the county or whatever. They're supposed to. Okay. Yeah. Whether or not that's they happening. They do it. Who knows? Yeah. But, when, and, but that's not common knowledge among citizens. Well, the thing was, in one of the articles I saw on TV, they were talking about uh, the post office said the agreement was they would return ballots uh, without the proper postage but wouldn't deliver them. And that's kind of where they were talking about the messed up paperwork and stuff like that. Hmm. I, just, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It's nice to know. Yeah, it is. It is. One of the things that I'm working on with a couple of different um, folks out at the legislature is actually to, to change the law that, that prohibits the state or the counties from covering the cost of that postage and just be upfront about it. Pay for everything, including you know the printing and the mailing of it to get to the person's house. Why not the extra 50 cents to get it returned? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it, it would make life a lot easier on citizens. We could see an increase in, uh, in turnout. People speak their voice, speak their mind, then things will change. Well, it would be great for, you know, Colorado has one of the highest millennial voting populations and even with that I still don't know anybody in my age bracket who knows how to mail a letter <laughs> I don't I actually have to drive to like the polling place drop a dollar in the box I, I actually don't know what I'm doing as far as placing in the mail so I, that would also just get more turnout there I would think right mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely does this have a potential to contest some really tight race in, in Adams County has potential to impact it all the way up to the governor. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. You know, it, if you look at um, Commissioner Odoricio, he won his his last county race by a few hundred votes. You know, and, and so he, he scraped it out. And there were some other races that were like that. Last election, there were uh, there was a race in North Glen for a city council where it, it actually came out dead even. Right, and then they they had to pull a name out of a hat after doing a recount yeah, to uh, to mm-hmm. you know find out who won. So something like this, where a single ballot can make a difference. Or three hundred and one ballots can make a difference in the case of, of Commissioner Mauricio's race. Sixty thousand missing ballots is a pretty big deal. And Adams County is a is a population center. You know, as, as the North Metro area, Thornton itself is the number six largest city in the state. I mean, the county's um, booming. You see, county, yeah. the county's booming. Time, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I saw some statistics um, that Adams County nationally has one of the best job markets in the country and one of the fastest growing population rates. So. This is this is a pretty big deal uh, that it, that it's gone missing. I mean, we're not talking a, a very sparse population of, of voters, and every voter should have their equal right to vote. But this will have a, a big impact on the races. Do you think? Do you think it might affect like any people moving there or anything like that? I mean, just to throw a wild one out there. I don't know. That'd be a tough yeah. one to tell. I mean, because you're talking about great expansion and growth and stuff out there. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just figured out. Yeah. I mean, I, I've received notes and emails. From uh, from lifelong Republicans who said I'm I'm tired of this. This is the last straw. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my ballot. I'm voting for you when I do. Well, there you go. And then they asked for a yard sign. So you know, awesome. it, it's making a difference. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I'm pushing for you. I hope you do really well Thank up you. there. Uh, I guess we covered the ballot thing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you maybe a little bit about 
about like why you're running, you know, um, what yeah. kind of things you hope to affect, what changes you want to do, or yeah, like that. Absolutely. So I, I'm presently on Thornton City Council, okay. uh, representing the the northeast part of Thornton. One of the areas that was actually heavily heavily affected, 80602 and 80241. Those are both Ward Three. That's did you that's personally not get your ballot? I did get my ballot. Okay. Yeah, I did get my ballot and and voted for myself. Um, <laughs> it's a great feeling, right? Yes, it is a great feeling. Took some pictures while doing it. There you go. Can't post them though, right? It's illegal. Uh, you can now. Oh, you can now. Yes. They changed that? Yes, okay. they changed right, that. So you can definitely do it things. now. It's a, it violated free speech for you not to be able to say who I voted so, for. I so. Because you can say it on whatever you want, do whatever you want that way, because yeah. you can't show us what they said. But, yeah. Right. yeah, but you can. Okay. Um, okay, so you don't have to change that part. What right. else do you want to kind of do when you're in there? Well, one of the reasons I'm running is actually voting and disenfranchisement. I've seen on Thornton City Council the way certain areas of town are not taken care of in the same manner as others areas of town. Um, and I've seen populations that are afraid to come out. You know, we have a large Hispanic population that, that's afraid to come out and even call the police when there's a crime. Right? So, so because of our current atmosphere, citizens are not participating in the way that they need to. And for me, a lot of our problems around this country could be solved if people would just get out and, and vote. Trump wasn't elected because of the people who voted for Hillary or the people who voted for him. He was elected because of the mass population that didn't vote at all. And that has to change. Yes. It's got to change. So a couple of things that I want to do. I want to get into every single high school. Uh, start talking to these kids about government again. Government and civics. It's well, and I just want to mention, you say high schools. Mm-hmm. Here in the state of Colorado, you can register to vote at the age of 16. Yes. So yes, you can. high school kids as early as 16 can register and then when they turn 18 can vote immediately. Right. So it makes sense. Let's start talking to these kids about this constitutional right. Let's start talking to them about their right to vote. Get them understanding why it's important to vote. So I intend to actually get out there, whether it's myself as the clerk getting into those classrooms or holding an assembly or, you know, staff, on, on people on my staff going out to do it as well. Obviously, there are a ton of high schools in the county. It'd be a lot of time for one individual to get to all of them um, in an efficient manner, but, you know, it, it's uh, it's an undertaking that needs to happen, and we need to educate these kids. Right now, I go in and talk to third graders on an annual basis and a couple of different classes and tell them, you know, what we do at the city and how, you know, voting's important and all that, but between third grade and, you know, between nine and 16, there's there's quite a bit that happens in, in a kid's life. So we need to get to them again and talk to them about it. So I really want to, want to do that and increase that. Some other things that are happening around the DMV. Policy makes it so that on the last day of the month, businesses can't go in and, and take care of their business, so they'll get turned away. Uh, I was there registering my truck and um, saw two, two commercial business owners get turned away. They were there to register their fleets. You know, these are business owners that took time out of their business to come down just to get turned away and now have to take time out again to come back down and do it through no fault of their own that could have been the very last day you know of the calendar for them to register their vehicles before they're in violation of it i don't know but and that's entirely possible uh doesn't mean they should have come down to do it earlier they have that entire you know range still you have the grace period up until right. the point so like you should expect that you can come in the last day and still do it right and if not it needs to be disclosed on the paperwork and to my knowledge it's not so um changing policies around you know changing the efficiency 
efficiency of staffing around so that we're really optimizing the current staff that we have, continue to reduce wait times that are there, bring a lot of tools online. Uh, professionally, what I do now in my day job, I'm a technical project manager for a financial institution. Right now, work on global efficiency for our systems, whether it's the voice response system for somebody calling in, the tool that the phone representative will use when interacting with the customer, the online banking tool, the mobile app, wherever there's inefficiencies on a global level, whether it's in English or Portuguese, that comes across my desk and we figure out how to how to fix it and, and translate it and do everything that needs to happen with it. So this is something I'm very used to, bringing, you know, taking existing systems and bringing them to the user in the way that users need them. And are you like talking about updating voting systems and how people vote or something like that? Or I want to bring tools to the people. So looking for opportunities and reasons for people to not have to go to the clerk's office but still get their, gotcha. their online their, registrations and stuff like that. Online registrations, DM, you know, going and getting your permit. Obviously, some renewals can be done online for driver's license through the Secretary of State. Improving the interface for the uh, the records database. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go on there, but it, being a database guy, even I, I struggle with it. <laughs> um, it's a little scary. Yeah, it's a little scary. The search functions are not user-friendly at all, and, and unless you actively know what you're doing with it, it's it's tough to get to. So improving those user interfaces and, and really just making the clerk's office work for the community. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Do you want to tell us your website one more time? Yeah, it's, uh, thank you. It's uh, joshforadams.com, J-O-S-H-F-O-R-A-D-A-M-S.com. Uh, on there, you'll learn a little bit more about me. Uh, you'll see a, a link to the voter info. Uh, you'll also see a link to uh, endorsements and the long list of folks and organizations that are, uh, are backing me for this. And of course, if you feel so inclined, um, you know, voter outreach is important. Okay. Still collecting money to do just that. There is a donate button on there as well. I was going to say, don't forget donate. Don't forget. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Always need more money. One more question. I, uh, this may be a Secretary of State question, but uh, I was looking because I'm a bit of a nerd. I was looking through like uh, people who have been purged from the system to vote, and I found that my sister has been purged. Really? Maybe it's because she's been living in Utah for like two years and, and on a, a driveway in a tiny house. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a whole other story. That's a whole so she can't vote in Utah, but she's been purged from Colorado. And I, then I was like, okay, then there are a bunch of people with my last name. And then I looked up my mother's last name and a bunch of people were purged. Uh, do you know why that would be? Um, the, that is out of Secretary of State. Okay. Office. They, they take a look and see if somebody is still living here and, you know, if they can verify the person still living here or in a driveway in Utah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know their exact process that they go through, but I do know that they have a system in place for... We'll talk about that later yeah. offline. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, thank you for coming. I'm yeah. actually happy that you're dedicated to getting back out there and talking to high schoolers, talking to um, youth who will be voting very soon and hopefully we can continue yeah. to uh, see voter turnout in Colorado be one of the highest for young people and hopefully old people and everybody else in between. We're the old people now, Eric. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple more years. It's <laughs> a whole lot of gray in this beard now. <laughs> All right, we've come to... Where can I read my text? I read your text. Okay. But can I do it on the podcast? You're <laughs> no, right now. No, you cannot. Okay. So, 
I have two things to leave to with tonight. According to Bloomberg, uh, the 2020 census will have a very profound impact on how Latinos will be perceived and how how districts will be gerrymandered. I think that's very obvious. A lot of Latinos are in the dark, especially ones who don't who are not citizens and who do not speak English fluently. Uh, my husband is a citizen, but he does he is afraid of speaking English. I'm incredibly proud of him for voting this this year and for getting his citizenship. He and I are getting out there to go and help other people like him vote and get out and get out the word. Although Eris doesn't like our kind. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got this on my phone. Damn. Just tell your listeners that I'm the personification of everything that's wrong with Adams County. Love you, Kelly. Eris is to you. <laughs> final thoughts with Eris. Alright, so for final thoughts. As a University of Colorado alumni, I have been very, very interested in how our presidential search is going, and I've learned that we do not have enough representation on that panel. It currently consists of one staff member, two alumni, and four um, faculty members, and I feel like there is a level of uh, scrutiny that should be considered when you have one of the largest public institutions in Colorado replacing the head. That, that was my final thought. My final thought today, I want to talk about the caravan of migrants. I mean, Trump has been pretty vocal about uh, they're really worried about these people, they're terrible people, they're terrorists, and stuff like that. It was, it was just insane. I mean, these people all come from Central America, like Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, even. Countries the air doesn't like. <laughs> Aside from that, uh, <laughs> I mean, so the originally reports said 7,000, then it dwindled to three, three and a half, and some say as high as 10,000. Th- these people, they're, they're coming for a better life. The, no one would drag their children that far if they weren't scared of something at home, and they, they can't be there anymore, and they're coming here for safety. <laughs> Eris, you disagree? You don't want them here? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> no, but it's a serious thing, and I, I think that we need to really evaluate how we see ourselves as a country. Is Do we, do we help people in need? Does the statue, what it says on the Statue of Liberty really matter, or... No, that doesn't matter. It was written by a Frenchman. It was written by a Frenchman, but it was a gift for our freedoms. And it's still it. It's a representation of it. And given the uh, the hate crimes that have happened this week, yeah, just this week alone. Oh God! And it's like Trump speaks, and there's a bunch of matches out there, and he, mm. they just light on fire. All right. Well, that's been politically pissed. I hope you've enjoyed your time here. You guys want to say goodbye? Be easy. Take it easy. Yeah, come on, we say when I'm with them. We solid and we don't need to 
the key.